0: I know typically I would open with a portion of Scripture, and I'm going to withhold that for a moment Uh, as we dive into our lesson this morning. I've been wanting to do an update of sorts, uh, and uh, Sunday morning is perhaps one of the greatest times to do that, provides a wide reach. Uh, But... Today we're going to have an update or uh, some, uh, a refresh of our miracle with a leaky roof. And uh, if this is the first time that you have heard that term or perhaps you've heard us use that term but not, uh, not knew what we were talking about, I just want to lay some of that foundation, revisit some things today, uh, and, and stir, uh, stir our hearts a little bit today. Amen. So, last year, God began to lay on my heart and on the heart of others this this burden. Uh, The need was there, uh, but not always uh, do you you respond just to an urgent need. Uh, Some things you you need to hear from God uh, first, and... Uh, feeling stirred in the in the spirit, we began to obtain some quotes. Uh, there were some rather large needs that were uh, becoming very apparent here at Jesus Church on the property. Uh, we are so thankful. Uh, we call it our miracle with the leaky roof because it was truly a miracle in August of 2015 when God ushered us into this building debt free. Uh, In August of 2015, uh, the congregation was about 35 on a Sunday, 30 on a typical Sunday, Uh, and for uh, two or three years, we had five rows of chairs in here. I mean, you could have played, you could have played like full-on contact football in the space that was available in the back. Uh, and so we have we've been here almost 10 years next year or two years from now. I'm sorry that uh, 2025 will be our 10 year anniversary of being on site in this building. And I'm so thankful for what God has done. Uh, but it was a miracle that we were able to move in. And uh, if, if you want to know more of the story, either catch me sometime after service or go back on the podcast into the earlier part of the year. Uh, there should be some live streams where uh, we talked about that process and we talked about what God has done. And it, it, it was absolutely an incredible miracle from the heavens. Uh, but the roof leaked. Uh, and patch jobs were done numerous times. Uh, and uh, there we had what we called a bucket brigade. Uh, when it would rain, uh, the bucket brigade was responsible for putting buckets under all of the leaks. And uh, that, that's fine if you have, like, one leak. Uh, you know, you can find it and address it. But we started running out of buckets. Uh, and if, if you've ever seen water coming out of electrical conduit and tried to put a bucket under it, Uh, you you realize that something is not right. Now, I'm not an electrician, and I'm not a plumber, but I'm pretty confident water is not supposed to exist in that space. I don't know if anybody could verify that for me. And so the need became very evident. And so uh, we obtained some quotes and began to talk with the church board. And uh, I I, I tell you, and I've, I've mentioned it before, but just kind of reviewing some things here, not every church board meeting ends with tongues and interpretation and prophecy. I wish I could say that they did. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, we have an incredible church board that is dedicated. Uh, they're in love with, with Jesus, and they're, they're willing to sacrifice for His church. Uh, but not every, every meeting ends with an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. Uh, but this one did. Uh, and so I began to consult with some more seasoned pastors and leaders who have walked this road before. And I'm thankful for the advice uh, and the resources and the wisdom that I was able to get from them. They're, they're still there. I'm able to contact them. I'm able to ask them questions, advice. And I, I'm very grateful for leaders and elders in the kingdom of God. Our goal was not to do a perpetual fundraiser. Everybody's had enough of fundraisers. You get fundraisers from school. You get fundraisers from this. You get fundraisers from that. You get fun- there's, there's a place for fundraisers, don't get me wrong. And, and things, you know, need to be funded. Uh, but I was not interested in a three-year pe- peanut brittle drive. Now, some people are very successful selling peanut brittle, and they give it into the kingdom. I'm not belittling that at all, but I don't believe that that was what God was calling us into. He wasn't calling us into a season of fundraising. He was calling us into a season of sacrifice. And so, as we prayed, I was prompted uh, of some old notes that I had from evangelist, uh, now pastor, Chris Green. He is no stranger to this church. Uh, a close friend of this church and a a mighty voice uh, over the years in Jesus' church. He's uh, been in in this location numerous times over the years, and we're so thankful for the word that he's spoken to us. But uh, it was in 2017 as he was preaching here, he began to preach and declare that a spirit of sacrificial teaching that is radical, in-your-life discipleship, a spirit of sacrificial prayer, Where the spirit begins to make intercession with groanings that can't be uttered over a time. There's there's a time aspect to sacrificial prayer. And a spirit of sacrificial giving would break the spirit of lust in this region. That was the word that he gave to us. Now, as he began to clarify or speak a little bit about that spirit of sacrificial giving, he made this statement, and I had jotted it down in my notes. He said, if you can afford it, it is not sacrifice. And everybody just kind of clenched up a little bit. Giving with the right motive and attitude is worship. And... It is warfare. You can do the opposite of what prevailing spirits you are warring against. If a lying spirit is prevalent in your land, you commit to living, to speaking, and to preaching truth and to live a life of truth because I'm doing the opposite. If a lustful spirit is in the land, I'm going to commit to purity. I'm going to commit to self-discipline and to self-control. If a selfish spirit is ruling in your land, the people of God ought to be warring from a place of selflessness and giving of our time and our talent and, yea, even our treasure. You ever notice all the little casinos around here? There's a big one north. and about 70 miles either direction, we're bracketed by two pretty sizable casinos. We're surrounded by centers of gambling, centers of poor stewardship of finances. And I've not seen statistics, but you you can, if if you're perceptive, you can begin to feel that atmosphere the more you're around it, the more you're in it. There, there is very much this atmosphere of, of poor stewardship, an atmosphere of, of lust. It's, it's a desire to get rich quick. Now, Proverbs tells us that he who wants to get rich quick, he, his, his latter end is not going to be very good. It's not going to be very pleasant. A a desire to to strike it rich immediately does not come to you from God. Uh, I find it highly unlikely that God will ever tell you to go buy a lottery ticket. Now, if you find one behind a dumpster and you just scratch it off and it's a winning ticket, for crying out loud, cash the ticket, pay your tithes on it, give to the kingdom of God. The devil's had the money long enough, okay? Okay? But you ought not be spending your hard-earned dollars uh, hoping to get a scratch off that suddenly you're going to have five or what, are the, what is it up to now? Like $1.2 billion payout? Man, that's, that's, that's insanity. I guarantee you if we look at their life five years from now, ten years from now, when you go from living in rags to $1.2 billion, you cannot handle that. Nobody can handle that. But we don't, we're not entering in, or we haven't entered into a spirit of sacrificial giving just because we need a parking lot, but we've been invited into a season of sacrifice by God. God, Because there is a spirit of lust and a spirit of poor financial decisions in this place. And we're warring against it with sacrificial giving. We're warring against it with sacrificial living. And breaking the bonds that are holding people hostage to this region. God began to call us to sacrifice. Now, because we're not just an organization, but we're a body of believers, we did what we knew to do. We prayed. Prayer covered the campaign. I I hope, I would encourage, if, if you don't pray regularly for the Miracle with a Leaky Roof campaign, please do so. Add it to your prayer list. Pray over it. Again, it's not just about monthly pledges. It's about breaking something free in this region for dominion and authority and the kingdom of God to advance. In February, Pastor David Strader came and visited us from uh, Arizona and preached so powerfully when sacrifice partners with obedience. Anybody remember when, when Pastor Strader was here with us? And he preached a great word, and it it was not coming from a place of theory with them, but over the last several years, God has been working a miracle in the district or in the Arizona district of the United Pentecostal Church. There has been an upswell of giving. Uh, they, they they took uh, here's just a, an example for you uh, Two years ago they took their their district move the mission offering which we are wrapping up here and, and that campaign has come to a close here. They took it from in the 40,000s without, excessive fundraisers, there was no, again, I'm, I'm gonna harp on peanut brittle, but please understand, I have nothing against peanut brittle. In fact, if you make it, please give me some, it's delicious, I love it. But they took that campaign from being in the 40s and 50 thousands to over $270,000. When pastors and young people around the district began to, to hear the call of radical sacrifice, churches began to give their entire building funds, everything that they would laid aside, into that command, and God has been blessing that district because of it. So he came here and began to share that story with us and preach to us when when sacrifice and obedience partner together, God can do something special. And his question to us was, if you have it and God needs it, will you give it? And a spirit of giving began to move both in that service and in the days beyond that service, and people began to give, and savings accounts were emptied, uh, and it it was wild, it was wild, and so we progressed through the campaign. In February and in March, we had our pledge service, uh, and then we kicked off at the end of March uh, with what we called First Fruit Sunday at the end of March where we began the season of giving. And in one Sunday service, $68,000 was given to the campaign. I I still get a little bit choked up thinking about it. I think we should stand for a moment and just thank God that in this place we are able to give $68,000. And That's not pledges. That's one service, one moment of time. The Jesus Church, the people that fill this room on Sunday, open their hearts, not just their wallets. And $68,000 was given to the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. With that, we saw, uh, you may be seated, $270,000, including that $68,000, $271,000 pledged over a three-year period. So since that time, we have been able to replace the flat portion of the roof. uh, And the bucket brigade has been disbanded. I was hoping for some shouting there. Uh, maybe an aisle run. The bucket brigade has been disbanded, uh, and in Jesus' name, we don't need a bucket brigade again until the Lord comes back, uh, and I think we're in the 11th hour, and so we just might, this roof might last us until Jesus comes back, and I'm excited for it, uh, and that that cost us $74,000, uh, and from that 74, 23 of that came from Uh, savings that the church had prior to the campaign kickoff now part of the miracle will be when we see the savings returned and grown that that's going to be part of the campaign is that we finish where we were or better off than when we started because that's the kind of god that we serve now, you, 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 if you've been around, you remember that there's a gap between the need and the pledge. And we're calling that gap the God space. We, we understand from the beginning, it's, it's not about our might. It's not about our power. It's about our God. And our God is able to provide. And so we, we have partnered with him. We've partnered with him and I believe that God is going to make up that lack and God is going to see us over the finish line. We've been able to see the front sidewalk fixed. Uh, And that was about $10,000. And so uh, if you walked into the house of the Lord this morning and you walked in on nice, smooth concrete and there were no chips and cracks and stuff for you to stub your high-heeled toes on, you ought to be thanking God because the church began to give and we were able to replace the sidewalk and to pay cash for it. We remain to this day a debt-free church. Prior to this Sunday... Over $110,000 has been given. That's incredible. That's incredible. Over $110,000 has been given. And I'm thankful for what God is doing in His church. But I want to move beyond just... a a, a relay of information, Uh, we need to to address the spiritual aspect of this because, as I've already mentioned, it's about more than just a parking lot and a roof. Yes, the need is there. The need is obvious. By next spring, the need will be even more obvious when it's going to be like a parking lot that'll swallow an F-150, okay? Be careful, Uh, Fixing the roof made the parking lot worse because they had to bring heavy machinery in uh, to to work on the roof. But it's it's about more than a parking lot. It's about more than a roof. God has established Jesus' church as a base, as a place of operations. It is a safe place, as we heard Brother Okineski mention on one of the Sundays of the campaign. It's a safe place to raise your family. It's a place where... Families are being sent to be healed, where people are coming and being delivered, where lives are being transformed from the power of sin and from the stain of sin. I'm so thankful that we have seen numerous lives be washed clean, though their sins were as scarlet. They can go down in the waters of baptism and come out white as snow. And Jesus' church is going to continue to function as a base or as a place, a sending church in this region. It's the word God spoke over us that we would be a sending church. It's about more than just a capital campaign. It is warfare. We are in a battle. And if you don't believe me, think about it the next time you're writing your pledge check out to the campaign. Because there is a voice in your head that's trying to tell you this is foolishness. Surely somebody else can handle it this month. But we have an invitation from God to step into a new realm of sacrificial giving. And I intend with all of my heart to answer the invitation from God. If he's calling me higher, I want to climb higher, no matter the cost, no matter, there's there's going to be some pain every once in a while. But if there's a call from God to come closer, that's exactly what I want to do. If there's a call from God to come closer, that's exactly how, how I want to respond. I want to do whatever he's asking me to do to come closer to him. We proclaim a desire to be a book of Acts church. And that book of Acts church did not stop at Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. But if you read the rest of the chapter, there was a spirit of sacrificial giving that was resident in the early church. Now, I'm not asking anyone to sell everything that you own and give it to the kingdom but if God asks and you have it will you do it if God begins to tug on your heart what is your answer See the spirit of this area would say no 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 you got to lay up that nest egg you got to protect you got to hold some of that let's not be let's be reasonable here let's not be radical let's not be crazy but when god begins to call you closer god's going to begin to ask you as a living sacrifice to lay some things down uh, to get rid of some stuff so that there's less of me and more of him We're establishing a new baseline. We are greatly deepening the culture of selfless sacrifice that is being deposited all around this state. It is a culture of selfless giving that is going to help us keep reaching the next town. And when you hear me talk about sacrificial giving, it is not just money that God is asking for It is not just your wallet God is asking for. He's asking for your calendar as well. He's asking for your time. He's asking for your energy. He's asking for it all. And if if, if it were me asking for all, it would be a hypocritical ask. It would be an arrogant ask. But when the God who created it all gave me everything that I have asks for it, he has a right to do so. Because he's able to bless to a far greater degree. It is this culture of selfless giving that is going to help us keep reaching the next town. I'm thankful for Next Town Ministries launching out of this church and and being a part of this. Now, there's a, a great financial arm that has been added from the movement at whole. But that's not the end of Jesus' church being a sending church. From here, we'll go Daughter Works. From here, we'll launch out pastors. From here, we'll launch out missionaries. From here, we'll launch out evangelists. And we're going to send them out, not just to South Dakota, not just to Watertown, but I believe all around the world. Now we've entered into the slog portion of the campaign. If we were running a mile, we would be squarely on rap, lap two and three. The first lap, you're excited, the adrenaline's flowing. It's easy to stride out that first 400 meters. Lap two, you got to settle into a pace. You got to get your legs under you. You got to get your stride. Now, believe me, I don't know a whole lot about running, and so if if there are any like five minute milers in here, go to them first. But like. I've ran a few miles around a few tracks, and I've learned a few things. Now, by lap three, that's when I'm usually dead, okay? My legs are dead, my lungs are burning, my throat's on fire, uh, and I feel like garbage because I'm not a jogger. Uh, I I don't understand jogging. Uh, Apparently, you just run for extended periods of time, and it's supposed to be wild, Uh, and so... More power to you. Uh, I, I don't find it all that fun to run if nothing's chasing me. So, uh, But maybe that helps me to run better when something's chasing me. I don't know. Uh, I'm not running from anything. Uh, I'm just running because I want to I wanna be like Doug Fuller when I'm 65. Uh, amen. Well, but we're in lap two. And we are, we are, we're getting that stride under us, and we're in a longer portion of this campaign. Because while we celebrate $110,000, we also understand that we're barely a year into this, and we've got a ways to go. And so it is the time when we've moved from emotion to discipline. And can I tell you in the Holy Ghost that this is exactly where we needed to be anyways? Now, I'm not the most charismatic person in the world, but we could emotionally give, we could probably emotionally give a pretty astounding offering. But when you move past emotion and you move into a discipline of sacrifice, now you've stepped into a realm that God desires to bless. Because it's not about hype. It's not about getting your name on a plaque anymore. It's no longer about seeing, saying, look what we've done. Now it's about walking through it when it hurts and saying, look what God is doing. Our focus shifts off of, man, that's amazing. Look what we did to look at what God is doing. I can't make anybody give a monthly pledge. But when dozens of families and individuals and eight-year-old kids across this church faithfully give, and some even younger than that, faithfully give a monthly pledge to a building program, but to a a vision to reach South Dakota, that's, that's far beyond my ability. That's stepping into God's ability. That's stepping into what God is doing It was not based on emotion or hype, but certainly there was emotion at the beginning of the campaign. There was excitement, but it is discipline that is going to train us, it is going to help us, it is going to carry us through and In this season, we will see God come alongside the church. I believe it with all of my heart. We're going to see God come alongside with us because now provision can partner with sacrifice, and God is watching people give sacrificially, and His trust in them is growing to handle finances. Amen. A couple of portions of Scripture: one from Joshua chapter ten, or five and verse ten. I used this earlier in the campaign, but I wanted to remind us of this. The children of Israel have just crossed into the promised land. Uh, they have renewed the covenant uh, at the Hill of Foreskins, uh, and they are about to attack Jericho. And they do something in Joshua chapter ten, 5 and verse 10. It says, the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. Unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow. Everybody say the manna ceased. On the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. I want you to notice the first thing that they did before this, or in this portion of Scripture, the first thing they did was the Passover sacrifice. The Passover sacrifice preceded the promised land sustenance. Before they were able to step into the promises of God, they sacrificed. And then a season changed. The manna that they were used to in the wilderness, stopped. And how ironic would it be, this was the same manna that they began to complain about because they were tired about eating it. I can guarantee you there was the thought on the day that it didn't happen. They're like, where's the manna? What happened? What, what happened? God changed a season, and they began, as they stepped into the promise, to eat the corn of the land. The land that God had promised them began to provide for them. And I I, I want that attitude, I want that thought to get down into our hearts right now. I'm thankful for every financial miracle that God has done for Jesus, church. You're sitting inside of one right now. Not only did he give us a debt-free church, but there was a miraculous provision really from all around the nation poured into this site and into this region. That was manna. That was God's provision as we went through the wilderness, as we walked through the journey that he was taking us to. But he's asking us to step into a different season and to step into the promised land. And the land is going to provide for the people of God. The land itself will begin to make provision for God's people in this day and in this age that we're walking through. How are we going to reach 66 counties? I don't know. But the land itself is going to feed. The land itself is going to grow. The land itself is going to provide. And that will be no less a miracle of provision than it was God raining manna from heaven. It's not hard for God to do it either way, but they were not going to live in a land that flowed with milk and honey and have God rain food on them every day. God moved them into the promised land and then began to ask them, would you plow the land? Would you tend the trees? Would you shepherd the sheep? Would you raise the cattle? And if you'll do all of that and faithfully serve me, it's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to bring forth fruitfully. It's going to bless you. He even promised to give them two-year seasons where they would celebrate the year of release and then the year of jubilee and eat the old corn of the land through two years. Years of harvest. Why? Because if you'll walk in obedience to God as He asks you to sacrifice, He will provide for you. The method and mode of provision changed, but it still came from God. And God is asking Jesus, church, to stop looking to the outside expecting manna to come and believing that God from the land is going to bless. And we're paving the way from our own hearts and our own wallets and our own bank accounts believing that God is going to take care of his church. God will provide. Pledges were made. And I know the voice of the enemy has attacked. Sacrifice is the giving of something without the ability to get it back or the thought of getting it back. Usually sacrifice in the Old Testament meant that an animal died. Every month, many in this room have a decision to make. We prayed, we fasted, and you heard the voice of God. I want to encourage you right now, keep giving. That monthly pledge that God laid on your heart or that one-time offering, that was the threshold He desired you to cross. That's where the blessing is. When we step into the realm that God called us to, that's where the blessing is. Don't just make the pledge. Keep the pledge. If you want, you could go to Ecclesiastes and read a little bit. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 about God's feelings about those that are rash with their lips in the house of God. Don't just make it. Keep it. And I'll be transparent with you. The pledge has interrupted our monthly budget and cash flow, and there are some months that it has been uncomfortable. But God has always provided, and God has always taken care of us. A financial planner right now might say that we're crazy. He might look at your your family's finances and tell you that you're, you're, you're all out of order Maybe if you just dial this back a little bit, this would be safer or that would be safer. And there's, 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 there's wisdom, uh, and and God wants us to be good stewards. But if your sacrifice was an answer to God's call for obedience, it doesn't matter what a financial planner says. It matters what God says. And the voice of God spoke into so many hearts in this place. And so I, I just want to confront that doubt and I want to confront the voice of the enemy and I want to confront the voice of our flesh that maybe is, is looking at clothes that we'd like to replace or tires that are getting a little bit bald and say, look, obey what God asked you to do and God will provide for you. When you obey, when you cross that threshold, there will be a blessing. One portion of scripture and we'll be done. Philippians chapter 7 or chapter 4. Man, I can't get chapters right today. Philippians 4 and 10. Paul writes and says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In what whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. What a great lesson for a 21st century American culture. Our culture has destroyed itself because of a lack of contentment. The average family cannot handle an unexpected $1,000 expense. Because we, we buy things on credit. We buy stuff we don't need to impress people that we don't even really like with money that we don't have. That's not contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And Paul's telling them, look, I've learned to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. There's value in both of those. If God calls you to be poor, can you be abased and be content? If God allows you to abound, can you do it with contentment? We talked about it a couple of Wednesdays ago. And that, that just might be the reason why God has not allowed some to abound. It's because there's something inside of our heart that would not handle it. Would not be able to deal with, with all of a sudden having massive financial capacity. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. These are, these are polar opposite things. It was feast or famine. Sometimes Paul had riches, sometimes he had nothing. Sometimes he was working with his hands, laboring with his hands so, so vigorously. And sometimes he was free to preach the gospel, but he says this. and This is a verse we take out of context all the time. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen, strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, when he said, you communicated with my affliction, can we just cut to the chase? They gave him an offering. They gave him money. That's what he's talking about. It was money. It was care. That's what he's saying. He, he knows that they're praying for them, but he's in a different city trying to raise up a work in a different city. And he's abased, and he's poor, and he's, he's in fastings often. Fasting for us is a choice. What about the day when fasting is not a choice? There's just no food. And we're like, okay, well, I guess today we're fasting so that my kids can eat this can of green beans. And so he said, look, I know how to do that. But you Philippians know in verse 15 that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Here's here's the verse that we're going to. Not because I desire a gift. Remember, Paul knows how to uh, be abased and he knows how to abound. He knows how to be poor. He knows how to be rich. Paul's faith was not in the ability of the church in in Philippi to provide for him. Paul's faith was in the ability of his heavenly Father to provide for him. So it's not about the money, but look at what he says. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. There was a place in giving where blessing was brought brought to the church in Philippi because they cared enough to send an offering and to give. They were not a wealthy church, but they gave to Paul. And Paul declared, because of that, fruit abounds in your account. Because when you give, God takes notice. God sees. Now, he may or may not give it back financially here on this earth, but Why would we be so shallow to assume that it would only be a financial avenue of blessing that God desires to operate in? There's fruit that's abounding to the account of families all across this church right now. And you may never see a dime of it back, but you know why? It was a sacrifice and you never expected any of it to come back to you anyways. But fruit will abound to your account because that's the God that we serve. And so Paul says, but I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to Paul or to God. See, it's about more than a parking lot. It's about a people answering the call that God has placed upon us to shatter to shatter the mindset of a region and to establish a deeper culture of sacrifice. And as we do this together, it is an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice that is acceptable, and it is well-pleasing to God. Let's all stand together in this place. And then he gets to verse 19, which is the one we use for offering all the time. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We shout about that. We should shout about that because God is willing and able to provide. But don't remove it from its context. Its context is sacrificial giving into the ministry and God promises to supply every need. If I can impress on you anything as we wrap up this morning, again, it's about more than a parking lot. It's about kingdom business advancing. And I fully believe that it's, it's I, I hesitate to use the word test, but it's, a, it's certainly a challenge from God to see how we will respond. And I intend to respond with a sacrifice that is well pleasing to him.